It is Sunday, March 28th, Palm Sunday, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church service. Jesus came riding in on a donkey in Jerusalem, and the people proclaimed him king and praised and worshipped him that day. We do the same today because he is our king, our Lord, and our Savior. This morning, we want to focus on the three celebrations in honor of Jesus found in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 33. So we welcome you to this special time of worship together. begin this morning's uh, Palm Sunday service by worshiping together with hymn number 530, Praise Him, Praise Him. Good morning. Welcome this Palm Sunday to each one of you here at the Winkler Berktaller Mennonite Church. It is good uh, that you can join us whether you are here or whether you are online. Let us take a few minutes to look at our uh, bulletin announcements. Dennis Penner passed away on Monday, March 22nd. He was a son-in-law to Tina Dirksen. Regarding worship services, for the time being, a decision has been made to move to a rotational attendance for Sunday morning worship services.
since we no longer have the option of two Sunday morning services and little interest was expressed for an evening service, it is felt that this would serve the church well. If you have not registered and would like to attend one of our worship services, please call or email the church office and you will be assigned uh, to a group. We will have a communion service for Group B on Good Friday, April the 2nd, and a communion service for Group A on Sunday, April 18th. There's going to be an informal Easter sunrise service on Easter Sunday, April 4th at 7.30 a.m. If you're interested, registration is required. Please call or email the church office to indicate your attendance. Uh, to sign up, uh, do it before April 1st at noon. There's going to be a membership meeting this Monday, the 29th, at 7 p.m. Due to space limitations, this membership meeting will be open to members only. Please register by calling or emailing the church office. Nominations will not be accepted at the membership meeting. But if you need to check with a person, but you do need to check with the person you are nominating, whether he or she is okay with it, and call a member of the nominations committee. And our uh, one of our prayers we will have for our missionaries is K and K. There's also going to be the Wednesday 2 p.m. Bible study here at church led by Pastor Victor. Our scripture reading is taken from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So much for the reading of God's word. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for being available to each of us at any time. We praise you for your love for us, and forgiving us. Forgiving us through your grace. We thank you for the health that many are experiencing. We ask that you meet the needs of those who are in need of physical health, emotional health, or spiritual growth and health. We ask you to be the comforter to those affected by the passing of uh, Dennis Penner or the loss of any other person. We pray that you lead each person serving during this worship time, Pastor Victor Engbrecht and Irene Kron as they lead worship and singing, Jessica Siemens as she presents the mission spot, Dietrich Martins in his scripture reading, and Pastor Dean Huber as he presents your message and the quartet and their singing. Lord, bless each listener as different people are dealing with different needs. We pray your blessing on all of us. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. And now would you please join us in singing number 154, All Glory, Laud, and Honor.
Turn with me to number 155, and we'll sing Hosanna, loud Hosanna. There's a bigger plan and you've got a reason to smile. 
First, I would like to thank you, the church, for your support through prayer and finances while I worked at Pembina Valley Bible Camp last spring and summer. Pembina Valley Bible Camp is located several miles southeast of Darlingford in the scenic Pembina Valley. Pembina Valley Bible Camp offers a number of specialty camps for youth aged 13 to 17. The camps offered include creative arts, bikes, horse camps, paintball, wilderness, survivor, discipleship camps, and then also their classic camps. This past summer looked a bit different than past years due to the restrictions. We were extremely grateful that we were able to still have campers on site. As we were unable to have campers overnight, we picked them up by bus in the morning around 8 o'clock at the Westside Church in Morden and then dropped them off around 9 o'clock in the evening. During pickup and drop-off, we had more opportunities for building relationships with the kids. We ate our meals outside every day and we could not have asked for better weather last summer for us to be able to do that. The number of campers we had each week was lower than what the camp would see other years. This gave us a lot of opportunities for one-on-one time with campers and to build relationships with them. I moved up to camp last May as part of their spring team. During the months of May and June, we spent our time planning and preparing for the camp season and also team building as staff. As a spring team, we bonded very well and it felt like we were a family. My role at camp was the creative arts leader. I got to plan all the arts and crafts for the two weeks where I was going to be leading the creative arts camp. For both of the weeks, I had two campers. I really enjoyed spending time with them and getting to see their creativity through the different crafts that we did. I also had the opportunity to cabin lead for a couple weeks throughout the summer. Everything we do at the camp is with the purpose of pointing the campers to Christ. Every day, the campers participate in Bible X with their cabin leaders, which is a time of intentional Bible study. Every evening, we have EDGE, which stands for Everyday God Experience, which is the same idea as chapel. EDGE takes place outside around a campfire. During EDGE, there is worship, skits, a staff shares their testimony, and the camp pastor for the week shares a message. On Fridays, we do something called TOG before EDGE. This stands for Time Alone with God. This is a time where all the staff and campers spread out across the open play area and spend an hour with God, which is then followed by half an hour of worship music being played for a time of reflection and worship. This is a time where the campers get to grow in their faith and experience God. Overall, we are very grateful that we were able to have campers. The summer went as well as it could have. I had a great time getting to know the campers and connecting with the staff last summer. Being able to spend part of our evenings together as staff after the campers had gone home was great for connecting and building community. During our last week of camp, we had two campers that made the decision to follow Christ and to end off the summer we had three of our staff get baptized. Going to serve at camp was a completely new experience for me that I never would have imagined myself doing. I am so grateful I got to be a part of the intentional community at camp. It was an amazing spring and summer of serving God as a team, praying for each other, encouraging each other, and seeing how God is at work at camp. To end off my report, I would like to share a piece from the staff manual that I think sums up what camp is very well. It says, Camp is a unique and beautiful place. Tie-dye shirts and the three-day-old smell of campfire smoke in your hair and on your clothes becomes normal. Eventually, bodies adapt and mosquito repellent begins to flow through your veins. Wood ticks become the object of much discussion when campers learn to tell the difference between male and female. Frolicking and outdoor voices, grass-stained feet, and scabbed knees all become part of your identity. Going into town on weekends is a culture shock, and none of your regular friends understand why rocks rocks. Fun is what we do, and weird is what we are, and we wouldn't want it any other way. But our goal is not to have fun or be weird. Fun is easy to do and can be done anywhere with anyone. Outrageous fun is not what makes camp tick. Outrageous fun happens at camp, but it always happens with a purpose. PVBC's mission statement is turning hearts towards Jesus, one heart at a time. Discipleship is the heartbeat of this place. I will be returning to camp this May once again as a creative arts leader. Prayers as we go into this camp season would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Today's scripture is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, 
verses 38 to 42. It, I'll be reading from the NIV Study Bible, and this verse comes under a subtitle, Jesus Visits Mary and Martha. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her, do- her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Thus far in God's word. What does being forgiven, a large financial debt, being released from prison, and being healed of a terminal illness have in common? And the answer is that the hearts of these people, in the hearts of these people, there should be a celebration of thanksgiving. Few things can be exciting as having been set free from something which enslaved you as a person. And surprisingly enough, whenever, whenever somebody tastes of something good, every cell in the body cries out for more of it, such as water. Freedom is never so good until the day that a person is set free from the burden. To be healthy is never fully appreciated until one day one has recovered from an illness or a life-threatening disease. And this morning, we want to look at the three different celebrations that took place as Jesus' time drew near to go to the cross. The message is based upon the Gospel of John, found in chapter 12 and verse 1 through 33. There was something different about Jesus because he had delivered and set free so many people from their sins and their infirmities as he proclaimed the gospel. However, to gain a fuller understanding of this passage, we first must examine the backdrop of this portion of scripture. If you would look in your Bibles with me to John chapter 12, verse 1, and it tells us this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. This verse indicates that the first celebration took place six days before the Passover. The Passover was one of the seven feasts which were and are still celebrated worldwide by every Jewish community. These holidays provided weekly, monthly, and yearly timeouts for the rest, for rest, the reflection, and worship. And every household and every person had the incredible opportunity to recount the wonders of God's provisions and deliverance as the feasts were observed. The Passover was the first of seven feasts to be celebrated. The setting was the recounting of the story of how God miraculously released his people from the idols and the slave yards of Egypt. The children of Israel had been in bondage as slaves for over 400 years, and they cried out to the Lord, And the Lord heard them. Of course, God sent Moses to set his people free, but Pharaoh would not listen. God said that if Pharaoh refuses, he will send ten severe plagues on the land, and that after the last one, Pharaoh would not only release the people, but he would drive them out. That's how devastating his last plague was going to be. We know the story well, don't we? After sending the plagues of the blood, the frogs, the gnats, the flies, the death, and the livestock, death of livestock, boils, hails, lust, and uh, locusts, and darkness, God now sends the final judgment of the death angel. It would be the death of the first member, born member of each family and livestock in Egypt. The only way to be delivered was to slay a year-old lamb and sprinkle its blood on the doorpost of each family's house. Now the question is, why wouldn't any 
of the Egyptians do this? Because they had already seen the devastating consequences of the first nine plagues. And the answer is that to the Egyptians, the lamb or the ram represented a pagan Egyptian god named Ammon. Ammon was the king of all gods according to them, as well as the source of all life. Now, in conjunction with this, the apex of Ammon power came right at the time of the first Passover. What timing did God use? Thus, the killing of the lamb was the desecration of the Egyptian religion and a direct challenge of their gods. The Passover consisted of a slain lamb, sprinkling of the blood, roasting and eating it, and eating the bitter herbs and the unleavened bread. And every household who was under the blood of the lamb was spared and delivered from the death angel. Thus the Passover became the recounting and the celebrating of God delivering his people. It was a celebration that went anywhere from a week to a month. You may wonder why this was so important to the understanding of the three stories of the celebration mentioned in John chapter 12. And the answer is that the same way the shedding of the blood of the lamb's blood delivered the firstborn from the death angel, the firstborn from the death angel, now Jesus has become the lamb who delivers his people from their sin. And in John chapter 1 verse 29, Jesus is declared the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In John chapter 6, Jesus declares himself to be the bread of life. Both the Lamb and the bread are the two most essential elements in celebrating the Passover. Thus, Jesus becomes the focal point. And I've entitled this message, Three Celebrations in Honor of Jesus. Pray with me, would you please? Heavenly Father, we come before you to give you praise and thanks. Over 2,000 years ago, you entered Jerusalem on a donkey's back. And there the people proclaimed you king, hailed you as the one to come, praised and worship you. And this is the time you allowed the people to do it. Heavenly Father, help us to realize that Jesus is our King, our Savior, and our Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as we glean new, new truths from this passage of Scripture today to apply to our lives. Thank you for that Palm Sunday so many years ago. And thank you that you came also to give your life as a ransom for each one of us. For this we'll always pray, uh, this we'll always praise you and worship you. Amen. Three, certain, uh, three celebrations in the honor of Jesus. Found in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 33, we'll be looking at the first 11 verses, and that is the first point, the first one, or the first celebration is given in a private setting. Listen as I read the scriptures for you this morning. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who later who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. And he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied, It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, 
but you will not always have me. And meanwhile, large crowds of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. As was stated already, It is six days before the Passover, and the crowds of people in Israel are heading up to Jerusalem. They are going early for the ceremony cleansing before the Passover, and then to celebrate it. And the focal location for the festivals used to be in every family's household where they would spread the blood on the posts of the house. But now it is in Jerusalem. Now families would travel from all over the country and from outside the country for this special, wonderful (coughs) celebration. Since Jesus and his disciples are heading in this direction, there would be no better time for Lazarus, Mary, and Martha to throw a little thank you party for all the things that Jesus has done for them. Mary and Martha were incredibly thankful that Jesus had raised their brother from the dead. Let me ask you a question. How thankful would you be if Christ had done a similar miracle for you? Wouldn't it be cause for celebration? Wouldn't it be an opportunity to have a party where Jesus is the center and show him your gratitude? That is what happened, and that is what they did for Jesus that day. <clears throat> the evening, at, <clears throat> that evening, as everyone was reclining around the table, Mary took a bottle of costly perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet, and began to wipe his feet with her hair. And this was very unusual because it was the servants who washed the guest feet, and it was the host who anointed someone's head with oil. But here Mary takes very costly perfume to anoint Jesus' feet. And Mary's heart is filled with overflowing gratitude. And it did not matter to her what any uh, anyone else said or thought. Not everyone had access to the Lord the way that Mary had. Jesus had been very close friend of this family. Many others, though, did have opportunity to come and direct it, come in direct contact with Christ too. However, when they came, often they would ask to be healed or for someone else to be healed or ask theological questions and question to interrogate him. However, Mary had the opportunity to ask or request anything from the Lord, but instead she worshipped at the Lord's feet. Her celebration consisted of spending time with Jesus and in the presence of the Lord. The question is, what do you and I do when we are in the presence of the Lord? And we come into the presence of the Lord every morning or evening when we get away from everyone, when we take our Bibles, when we pray, and there we spend time with the Lord. And where do our thoughts and attentions go? Do we pray only for our self-needs or the needs of others? Or do we come before him like Mary did? And we praise the Lord and we worship at his feet. Now we need move from the private celebration to the next celebration, number two. And the second celebration is given in a public setting. And that's found in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. The next day, the great crowds that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, 
Do not be afraid, O daughter of of Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. And now the crowds that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people began, and many people because they had heard that he had given this miraculous signs went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Since the Passover was drawing near, great crowds began to develop as many people headed to Jerusalem. Many of these folks were from Galilee and had witnessed the miracles and the teachings of Christ. Many places in the Gospels indicate that when Jesus traveled, he often healed everyone in the crowds who were demon-possessed or had infirmities. Their lives had been changed either by a direct miracle of the Lord or by his teachings. And still others were coming because they had heard about this person who performed these many miracles. No doubt they were excited to hear that Jesus was in their facility, vicinity. Notice that the first reaction was to go out and take palm branches and to lay before the donkey that the Lord was riding. Palm branches are not native to Jerusalem, but were brought in from actually Jericho. These branches were not only used for the festive celebration, but people also used them to welcome conquering rulers home. And the people used branches to do something here that they always wanted to do for a long time, and that was to proclaim him king. On every other occasion, he withdrew from any such advances. But here, he allows the people to praise and worship him like never before. And I'm sure that the people in the crowds had various types of motives for why they were there. Some were wanting to see him perform some miracle. Some needed a touch from the Lord. Some came to listen. Some came to ask him questions. And others came to worship. The people were ecstatic and began to take palm branches and lay them in front of the little donkey that was that Jesus was riding on. This was a celebration to be able to give thanks to the one who did so much for these people, to each one of them. At the forefront of the people's minds, they believed that he was the coming Messiah who would set up his kingdom and it was going to be now on the earth. They cried out in verse 13 and it said this, They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. I ask you this morning, what would you have been, what would have been your reaction if you had been there that day? You would probably, I would imagine, be praising the people along with the others for the things that Jesus had done for so many people. So as we can see, there was a private celebration given by Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. A public celebration followed this as Jesus entered Jerusalem. And finally, we come to the last celebration, which is number three. The third celebration is given by God the Father. The third celebration is given by God the Father, found in verses 20 to 33. Let me read this portion of scripture for you. Now there were some Greeks among those who went out to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip turned to Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. 
I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servants also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowds that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The 23rd verse tells us the hour had come for Christ to be glorified. In other words, he was ready to die and be the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the world. Jesus talks about the man who loves this life will lose it. And the man who hates his life, this life, will gain eternal life. He also talks about whoever serves him must also follow him. However, amid all this, Jesus says... His heart was troubled, and he would like the Father to save him from having to go to the cross. Yet, this is the very reason why Christ came. He was the sacrifice to redeem all mankind, to redeem those who would turn to him. That means you and I. Christ emptied himself of all self and asked the Father to have his name glorified. At this moment, a voice comes from heaven saying, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. God was glorified as Christ humbled himself to do the Father's will. This is very important. You and I glorify God's name when we also humble ourselves and do what he commands us. God works through his chosen vessel, his people to provide. If Christ hadn't been willing to give himself, there would be no salvation for you and me. If we aren't willing to be obedient to God today, this will hinder God's salvation for reaching other people. Jesus said that if he is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. If we lift Christ up by living a Christ as Christ lived, people will be drawn to Christ. However, this will only come from a life of obedience, which means sacrifice on our part. This morning, we learned about the celebrations that took, so, uh, took place for Jesus First, the private one in Mary's, Martha's, and Lazarus' place. Then the public one in Jerusalem amongst all the people who were hailing him. And then the provisional one from God the Father, where God gave his endorsement of Jesus. Each one ties together by the... Each one is tied together by a common thread of being so in love with Christ that you are willing to do whatever he asks you to do. Are you willing to proclaim him king in your life without any reservations whatsoever and not to care what anyone else would think of you? I pray that this Palm Sunday would be a place where you yield yourself completely to Christ and that you are willing to do whatever he asks. And as you worship him each and every day, as you open up the scriptures and you read them and you pray, and you ask for God's directions, and when you hear his voice, you'll be saying, 
Whatever you ask, Lord, I will do it for you. May this Palm Sunday be a celebration where you worship him as Savior, King, and Lord. And for our closing hymn, would you please uh, take out your hymn books and let's sing number 536, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord. Would you close with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, once more we thank you for the celebration that took place so many years ago. When you came into this world, you were given a private celebration by those who loved you so very much. And then the people also, as you rode on the donkey, proclaimed that you were Lord and King. And finally, by the provisions that was from the Heavenly Father that showed that you were the Son of God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we've listened to the message and we've looked into your words, that we would apply all this to our lives. Thank you once again for Palm Sunday. Thank you for the days that are going to be ahead when we will celebrate um, Good Friday and then the resurrection. And we pray, Lord, as we celebrate, our heart would always be in tune with you and that we would be obedient to all your commands. Now I close with a benediction found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God of our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternally encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen. May you go in the strength and the grace of Jesus Christ.